Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this year program. Really delighted to have you with me today. Uh, I'm going to start in Georgia with the last Senate contest. We are going to move on from there. This will be, hopefully, we, we may have to do a little bit of analysis tomorrow, but otherwise we can move on because I'm getting tired of election season. If you live in Georgia, tomorrow, the erectile dysfunction ads and the adult diaper ads return. You will never be so happy in your life. Uh, there was a news story that circulated yesterday that um, the TV uh, flagship for my parent company has made more money on campaign ads than any other TV station in America. Um, that'd be WSB TV. Uh, that, that's the news report. Uh, the news station itself has not responded. Um, it, it's based on some outside analysis of news. Just for those of you not in Georgia, it is nonstop. In fact, uh, the TV station, WSB-TV, is one of the most listened, watched, if not the most watched, ABC affiliate in the country. Uh, it's got a massive audience. It is the most watched TV station in Georgia. They actually added an extra newscast so that they had more ad revenue spots for all of the advertisements. I mean, they moved around some of their stuff so they could uh, squeeze in all the ads. It was a very smart business decision. It appears to have paid off for them. Uh, and I mean, the, the, the newsroom already looks like the Starship Enterprise. They might actually build the Starship Enterprise with extra revenue. It's just, although you, you do have to understand that when, t when political ads come on, if they're from a pack, it doesn't matter. A lot of these were from a pack, but if they're, they're from the campaign, you have to give them the minimum ad rate. So as much as you hear campaign ads on radio and television stations across America, keep in mind that if they are campaign ads from the uh, campaign, the radio and TV stations are actually losing money. But if they're from political action committees, leadership packs and the like, uh, they, they can make a pretty penny. And Walker's campaign has not had the money to spend. So it's been from outside groups but I'm tired of them, all of them. I watched the Cowboys-Colts game on Sunday night and in one commercial break saw three ads from Raphael Warnock and outside groups for Raphael Warnock. And that kind of puts in perspective the lay of the land in Georgia here. Raphael Warnock has had a massive show of force in Georgia. He has had a massive array of... Uh, advertisements. He's had a massive ad blitz and Herschel Walker doesn't have the money. And the Walker campaign is doing everything they can to turn out people. Now I will tell you, I'm looking outside my window at this moment and it is foggy and cold. It rained all morning. My voting precinct is across the street outside my neighborhood and it's a church with a big parking lot. And that parking lot was more packed today at voting than they are on a Sunday. They were slammed. That is anecdote. It is not data. 
Uh, there are parts of the metro Atlanta area where there are very few people voting today. In North Georgia, turnout this morning during the rain was heavy despite the rain. And Herschel Walker's got to overperform in those areas. However, turnout in parts of Cherokee County, which is a highly Republican area, Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, the mayor of Woodstock may be one of the best mayors in the nation. Uh, he's I say that because he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, Michael Caldwell is a brilliant guy, cares. I've never seen someone care about his community as much as that guy cares about Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, and he is the mayor. He was a Republican in the state house. It is a beautiful area. If 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 I were not married and had no kids and were starting out in life, I would move to Woodstock. It is a fantastic area. Uh, the the Baptist Church in, in Woodstock is fantastic. The pastor there is phenomenal, and the whole area is great. I love Woodstock, Georgia. Can't speak highly enough of that area. Have a lot of listeners in that area, which would make it problematic. But if I could convince my wife after the kids, we're not going to move from where we are because the kids love their school. We like our church. But if we had to start over, I think we a place like that, you're very close to the mountains. It's a great area. It's also very Republican, very conservative, uh, great church network up there. But Herschel Walker needs to win that county by a lot on Election Day because it didn't do as well in early voting as it should have. Meanwhile, Democratic parts of the state uh, have done very well. Republicans, I will just be honest with you, they think it's going to be very close if Walker wins and a blowout of Warnock wins. They are concerned about a Warnock blowout. They see a path for Herschel Walker. Even the Warnock campaign sees a path for Herschel Walker. Why? Because the state has more Republicans than Democrats. And on that subject, I must say something briefly. Brian Kemp blew Stacey Abrams out of the water for the governor's race. Some of you will have heard Burt Jones. He was on the program with me back when I was live broadcasting in Orlando at the uh, end of October, beginning of November. Burt Jones is the lieutenant governor now, will be. He's the lieutenant governor-elect. The Democrats nationally poured millions of dollars into the state of Georgia to crush Burt Jones because he was one of the alternate electors for Donald Trump. And they lost that race. Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State, won. I'm trying to go through the list. Chris Carr, the Attorney General, beat Jen Jordan, a very popular uh, state Senate Democrat, the abortion Barbie of Georgia. Her whole campaign was about abortion. Uh, she made it about abortion. She said she wouldn't enforce pro-life laws in the state. Uh, and she lost. She was designated. She wanted to run for governor. Stacey Abrams put her in that position. And she lost to Chris Carr, who's a great guy, fantastic attorney general. Uh, Bruce Thompson, dear friend of mine, is is now the labor commissioner. Um, John King has returned as the, the insurance commissioner. Tyler Harper, the ag commissioner. Every statewide office in Georgia, I think those are all of them. Maybe I'm missing one. Every statewide Republican won, and won handily. When you add up all of the votes cast for the state Senate in Georgia, 
Now, granted, they're they're gerrymandered, so you have some areas where there are more Republicans than Democrats, some areas where there are more Democrats than Republicans. But when you add up all of the districts together, Republicans got a majority of the vote. They got 52 to 53 percent of the vote there. Same for the state house. Same for Congress. More Republican votes were cast in Georgia than Democratic votes in every single race except one. And Herschel Walker, though he lost Brian Kemp's vote by about 203,000 voters, he only fell behind Raphael Warnock by about 35,000 votes. There is a real path forward for him today if Republicans are mobilized and energized to come vote. But there's also a problem for the Republicans, and that is they cannot get a handle on early voting Donald Trump last week was on social media saying uh, early voting is stealing the election. There are a lot of Republicans who are so much more invested in the stolen election narrative than in uh, the desire to win that they have refused to vote early or refused to vote absentee. Georgia actually cleaned up its early voting and absentee process, and it still deterred some people from voting. I want to explain to you how it works now in Georgia. I went on the Secretary of State's website and was able to fill out a form to vote absentee. I had to put in my driver's license number. And then I had to print it out and physically sign it. And I could either drop that form off, put it in the mail, or save it as a PDF and send it back. And I did. I used my iPhone. I took a picture of it. If you go into, if you have an iPhone and you open the Notes app, you will see a uh, picture button. You can click that picture button in the note and it'll say, do you want to scan the image? You can scan an image using the camera, convert it to a PDF and send it off. That's what I did. It was very, very easy to do. Did it all on my phone then and there and was able to upload it and send it back to the Secretary of State's office. I then several days later got a text message from my local board of elections saying they had received my application and would process my absentee ballot. And then I got another text message saying they've processed the absentee ballot. They have sent me my absentee ballot. And then I got it, I voted, I put it in the envelope, I put my driver's license number on the outer envelope and sealed it so nobody could see that. You have an inner envelope that just the ballot is in, then you have an outer envelope, you put the inner envelope in, you fill out your information, who are you, your birthday, your driver's license number, you sign it, you have a flap that folds over it so nobody can see that information in the mail, you put a stamp on it or not, you do not have to put a stamp on it, the post office will still deliver it. And then I got a text message back that my absentee ballot had been received, had been reviewed, and would be counted. Had I sent it back and screwed it up, the text message would have been, it had been received, it had been reviewed, and I needed to remedy a flaw. And I would have been given the opportunity to come to the Board of Elections, skip the line, go in, and fix the flaw. But I filled mine out correctly, so there was no need. And away it went. Friends, it's not hard to vote absentee in Georgia, and I did. It's not hard hard to vote early, and a lot of people did. And so tonight, the polls in Georgia will close at 7 o'clock. Inevitably, there will be some polling precincts in the state that stay open because of technical errors to the voting machines and the like, and so they will decide to... Um, Go. The headline at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution right now 
is that um, some Georgia voters confused by polling site changes, lack of signs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The reality, however, is that things are working just fine. People are turning out to vote. And my hunch, I have no basis for this other than the history of voting in runoffs in Georgia. My hunch is that the longer it takes to call the race, the better it is for Herschel Walker because so much of the early absentee vote will come in and that's where Raphael Warnock's vote will be based on the patterns as the uh, day of voting comes in, we'll know pretty quickly if Warnock's going to win. If it drags out, it's going to be a very close race. Obviously, I mean, duh. If it drags out, of course it's going to be a close race, but that improves Herschel Walker's odds. Republicans privately think Herschel Walker has lost. I will tell you, I don't think he has. I think he can pull this off. But he really needs every Republican in the state of Georgia to turn out for him. Yeah, but most likely her Raphael Warnock goes back to the Senate for six years. He's run a good campaign. He's had way more money. He has put up way more ads. He's had a huge field operation. But Herschel Walker has something that Raphael Warnock does not. Brian Kemp. And Brian Kemp left his campaign operation functional in the state. Mitch McConnell invested $11 million in it, and they have knocked on every Republican door in the state repeatedly. They have phone banked them all. They have polled them all. They have rounded up buses to drive them to the polls. They have done a remarkable, remarkable operation. If Herschel Walker wins, it will be thanks to Brian Kemp and his operation and Mitch McConnell for pouring the money in. If he wins. We will find out sometime tonight. A friend of mine and I were discussing Bolin Branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me, and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants Bolin Branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve. And right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bolin Branch bedding. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. It's going to look good. It's going to feel great. For a limited time, get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code Eric at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. Promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K at BolinBranch.com. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can get, um, sign up for the daily email. You can um, get the podcast, social media links. I, I got to mention something to you guys real quick. I'm kind of excited to talk about. Just real quick. If you are a paid subscriber to my email, tomorrow you're going to get an email and it's going to give you a very big discount um, for the conference that'll be coming up next year. 
If you want to subscribe so you can get the discount, it'll be worth it. Um, the math works in your favor. If you text DATA to 33777, hit that subscription link, subscribe before tomorrow. We're going to do the gathering in Atlanta next year, August 17th through the 20th. The big days will be the 18th and 19th, uh, the 17th for you to show up. There'll be a welcome reception that evening. Um, people go home on the 20th. The conservative movement is fractured right now. There are uh, national conservatives, national populists, populist conservatives, traditional conservatives, fiscal conservatives, social conservatives, uh, mainstream conservatives, you, you name it. There are an array of conservatives. I have friends in every single one of the camps. And we have before us in 2024 a presidential election that will be taking shape by August of 2023. I would like to invite all conservatives to come to Atlanta on August 17th through the 20th, 2023, and let's have some conversations with these would-be presidential standard bearers and the influential leaders in America about where we go as a country, but also where we go as an ideology. What does conservatism look like? What are the conservative ideas to carry forward? Um, has conservatism conserved anything? Let's let's talk about that. I'm inviting uh, Brian Kemp. I'm inviting Ron DeSantis. I'm inviting Glenn Youngkin. I'm inviting Mike Pence. I'm inviting Nikki Haley. I'm inviting Mike Pompeo. I'm inviting Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Tim Scott, J.D. Vance, Lauren Boebert, Rich McCormick, Chip Roy, Steve Scalise, Bill Lee, and a whole lot more. Not all of them will be able to come. Most of them, I hope, will be able to come. Sit on stage with me. Have a conversation. What does the future look like for the Republican Party? Here on this program, that Friday, this show will be live. And it is my intention that we air those conversations that happen noon to three on this program. And we program around that reality. I want you to be able to hear from these people if you can't come. But as many of you as can come, I would like for you to come to Atlanta. Let's get in person, face to face. You know, I'm a big believer in breaking bread together. I'm a big believer that uh, when you get to know someone, it is very often hard to dislike the people you know. And right now in the conservative movement, there are a lot of people who think they don't like each other in large part because they don't know each other. And I suspect if they found some common ground, they would realize they actually do by and large agree on the issues. Maybe they don't agree in every way or in every application, but overall they do. So come together face-to-face -face and have those conversations. Come together face-to-face -face and talk about the issues. Bring the leaders of the movement, the voices of the future, the institutional voices of the past who shape the future. Bring them all together. I will have them on stage with me. The format is very simple. They come and sit on stage for 30 minutes. You submit questions to me in advance. I weave them into my conversation with them. We have 30 minutes together on stage, each of them, a little bit longer for some, a little bit shorter for others. And we talk and we discuss the future, not the past. How do we move forward, not just as a nation, but as an ideological movement with the ideas to benefit all of us in the future and to grow our movement in our nation and make it better? How do we support free markets and free people as a conservative movement into the future? And let's also vet 
the people who are interested in 2024 together on stage in Atlanta next year, August 17th through the 20th. If you would like to get the discount, text DATA to 33777. Click that first link, subscribe to my daily email, and tomorrow those people will get first access to tickets and hotel rooms at a discounted rate in Atlanta. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, you are more than welcome to be on the program, depending on topic. It's got to be something I'm talking about today, where this isn't a Friday after all. Facebook, meta, I guess they call themselves now, is announcing that if the JCPA passes, they may take down all news links on Facebook, and you are wondering, what the heck is the JCPA? It is the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. The Journalism Competition and Preservation Act is a democratic plan to take the advertising dollars from social media and internet companies and give them to traditional media outlets. It is essentially a link tax to preserve the mainstream media. It is a welfare program for the liberal elite. And Republicans are helping them get it passed. If rumors are to be believed, Mitch McConnell has agreed to tie it to the NDAA, that is the National Defense Authorization Act. The National Defense Authorization Act is the must-pass appropriations bill annually for the military. McConnell's source, McConnell's team is not saying whether he did or he didn't. If he did, bad idea, and he deserves criticism for doing this. Here's what the act would do in part. This is not all it would do. All of it is bad. This is one of the worst parts of it. You know how you get on Facebook and you see someone linked to a story in, let's say, the New York Times. They may be criticizing the story, but they link to it, and you want to link, you want to click through to see it. According to this legislation, Facebook would have to pay the New York Times for hosting that link. Even though they're driving traffic to the New York Times, and the New York Times gets ad revenue from it, Facebook would have to pay a link tax. Or if you go to Google News, news news.google.com, you will see 
a list of news stories from around the country. In fact, it's one of the places I go for show prep every day. I go to Google News. I've got it as a, as a browser link, uh, news.google.com. And you can see top stories. You can see U.S. news, world news, local news, business, technology, entertainment. And it just gives you a list of the stories. It gives you the headlines. And you can click through and see them. Google, for the privilege of highlighting the news stories for the news media, would have to pay the news media for the privilege of sending traffic their direction. If it sounds like a ridiculous idea, that's because it is. And the Republicans have helped the Democrats come up with this. Part of the problem here is that the news media is struggling in America. It has failed to innovate. I am hard-pressed to understand why the news media needs to reform itself, upgrade itself, improve itself, or streamline itself when the government can impose a link tax and charge internet companies for sending traffic to these websites. Yes, you're thinking this makes no sense. They send traffic to these websites, and these websites then get advertising revenue, except digital ads are not as much as regular advertisements in the newspaper or on TV. And so they expect these companies to pay them as well for the privilege of linking. Google or Facebook, rather, is saying, no, Meta. Now, I, I still call it Facebook. Uh, I, I'm, I disagree with the name change Meta. Obviously, I, I don't own shares of the company I used to. Um, but I just, the, the whole idea of name name change, everybody still calls it Facebook. But this is Meta's statement on the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. If Congress passes an ill-conceived journalism bill as part of national security legislation, we will be forced to consider removing news from our platform altogether rather than submit to government-mandated negotiations that unfairly disregard any value we provide to news outlets through increased traffic and subscriptions. The Journalism Competition and Prevention Act fails to recognize the key fact. Publishers and broadcasters put their content on our platform themselves because it benefits their bottom line, not the other way around. No company should be forced to pay for content users don't want to see, and that's not a meaningful source of revenue. Simply put, the government creating a cartel-like entity which requires one private company to subsidize other private entities is a terrible precedent for all American business. Amen and amen. Meta, that is Facebook, has this right. It's not just you putting your news links on Facebook. News outlets themselves put their news links on Facebook and you follow some of these outlets on Facebook, you click through the links, you go to read the article and the government's idea is for Facebook to pay the New York Times because Facebook sends traffic to the New York Times. If anything, it should be exactly the opposite. The New York Times benefits by Facebook sending visitors to their website. It's a stupid, stupid thing, and Facebook is absolutely right here. Meta's statement is on the money. The only disagreement I have with Meta's part is they say they'll be forced to consider removing news from their platform. No, they should flat out do it. There's no consideration needed. Get rid of it. 
if the government intends to subsidize old school media outlets that can't innovate to stay in business and won't let them die, Facebook, Meta, Google, Twitter, Apple, all of them, they should play no role in supporting them and sustaining them. The fact of the matter is the news media in this country is collapsing in part because nobody trusts them. And so their solution is to get a government welfare program for the elites who still do. On top of that, why is any Republican supporting this? These organizations are the very organizations that would not pee on a Republican if they were on fire and, in fact, prefer to strike the match and pour the gasoline. Why is any Republican, Mitch McConnell or otherwise, advancing this? Why do it? These organizations aren't your friends. They do not like you. You are subsidizing the enemy. And by the way, the press overall is the enemy of the Republican Party these days. They do not in any way, shape, or form do anything fair to the Republican Party. When it comes to the New York Times, the Washington Post, even a lot of the crap in the Wall Street Journal these days, which leans righter than the rest of them, it's still biased as hell against the GOP and conservatives in general. USA Today has purged its conservative voices. Why would you, a Republican, want to subsidize that? Why would you want to create a new tax? And it drives up costs for everyone else as well. It drives up costs for everything. It's nonsense. And this is what the Republicans are doing. They're out of ideas. This is why lame duck sessions of Congress are so bad. You got two months and the Democrats rely on the votes of retiring members of Congress who will never be held accountable by voters again, or in some cases, by people just reelected to the Senate who now have six years for voters to forget about it. This isn't good. You have a number of Republicans in the U.S. Senate who either just won re-election and have six years or just lost or, well, well, they're not coming back. They didn't lose. They're retiring. Democrats picking up their seats in some cases. And they're going to do this. The only way to not is to raise hell on the issue. And a lot of outside groups are raising hell on this issue, which they should. There's no reason for Republicans to carry water on this, particularly tying it to the National Defense Authorization Act. I've got problems with the NDAA overall. There are some problems there, including trying to bring the draft to women. But tying a welfare program and a a link tax for journalists to the NDAA is one heck of an idea, brazenness. It should offend you. It is offensive they would do this. And yet there we have it. Um, Absolutely bizarre. All of us should denounce this. And all of us, if we come into contact with our members of Congress, should raise hell about this. They're, particularly the Republicans, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever under the sun for any Republican in America to support welfare for the very reporters who hate the GOP, who have ruined their own businesses in part because of their brazen lack of fairness, because of their brazen progressivism. It's not just a failure of these news media entities to innovate. It's not just a failure of them to find relevance in the modern world. It has to do with their massive shift to the left to try to retain liberal audiences. 
The New York Times has become a captive by its liberal audience. It cannot run fair coverage against conservatives because they're so dependent on subscriptions now, they'll go out of business. And so their justification is, well, if we're not so dependent on subscriptions, we can come back to the middle. No, you will not. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You know it is. You're not going to come back to the middle. You want social media, Silicon Valley money generated by us through the purchases and the ad revenue and the like for these Silicon Valley companies, you want us to subsidize yourself becoming a subsidiary of the Democratic Party. That's why Nancy Pelosi put this bill forward. That's why the Democrats support this bill. And it is why every right-thinking American and every conservative American should oppose this stuff. By the way, uh, it is to his credit, Kevin McCarthy opposes this legislation, but it's about the only thing I can give him credit for. You know, the, the would-be Speaker of the House is also out there uh, peddling this idea that if you don't vote for him, you're going to get a Democrat as Speaker. There's a tactic that the Republicans use in Congress. All of the Republican Speakers of the House have used this tactic. It is the fear scenario that if you don't support this us, the establishment, this bad thing will happen. When conservatives were drawing the line on reckless spending, their Republican leaders, led by John Boehner at the time, told them if they did this, they were going to bankrupt the nation. They were going to cause us to default. They were going to cause massive harm to people. And conservatives dug their heels in and were able to get sequestration ultimately. They were able to get dollar-for-dollar real-world spending. They were able to do this in part by digging their heels in and refusing to reopen the government by refusing to expand the debt ceiling, among other things. Every single time the establishment Republicans say the the conservatives lit their hair on fire for no reason, it's going to end badly for everybody, and conservatives wind up winning. Well, this time the establishment is doing the same thing. They're saying if you don't support Kevin McCarthy for speaker, then you're going to wind up getting a mushy moderate Democrat as speaker. Do you really believe after four years of, of Democratic control of the House of Representatives that suddenly – these Republicans, having got by power, say, yeah, we want to stick with a Democrat. We, we, want to, we want to give the leader of the Democrats. No, they're not. This is what the establishment Republicans do all the time. So for all of you people say, oh, Kevin McCarthy, he's the conservative pick. He is not the conservative pick. He's an establishment hack. He's using the exact same tactics that John Boehner and Denny Astor used against conservatives. Fear and bullying. Frankly, if they reject Kevin McCarthy and make it clear he doesn't have the votes, it will probably be a more moderate Republican, but it will be one who probably has more principles than Kevin McCarthy ever has. But on top of that, and this is the key, if it's not Kevin McCarthy, let's say it's wild card, mushy, moderate Republican, all of K Street, all of the lobbyists, all of the donors, all of the financiers, all of the campaign operatives, all of the strategists have expected it to be Kevin McCarthy. They've invested their time, talent, and treasure in that. By disrupting it thus, even if it's a more moderate person than McCarthy, and it's hard to get more moderate than a spineless man who's blown by the wind, but even if it is, still be better than Kevin McCarthy. 
The chaos of it, embracing it, shows conservatives mean business and are willing to bring it all down to get their way. So when the debt ceiling fight comes, when the balanced budget fight comes, when the, the continuing resolution fight comes, they know conservatives mean business. And conservatives will have to have a seat at the table and not just be head patted and pushed aside like some of them want to do. You got to take out Kevin McCarthy. You've got to own it, conservatives. Take him out. They're not going to put a Democrat in as speaker. They just got their power back. They're not going to do that. It risks the full ire of the majority of their conference. They will not do it. They'll find a different Republican. It'll be a Republican of compromise, and it'll be a Republican who surprises everybody in such a way that it throws off K Street, the lobbyists, the regulators, every single person, and that in and of itself is good. But also... It keeps us from having yet another speaker from the state of California. One of the great companies that's fighting for the conservative cause is Patriot Mobile. They go out of their way to advance the cause of freedom by supporting free markets, free people, by supporting limited government, by supporting conservative candidates, by supporting the Second Amendment, the pro-life cause. They do all of these things. And you can take your business to them, patriotmobile.com. They're a cell phone provider. They give you guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So you get guaranteed great service. You can save some money if you've got a whole lot of lines. You've got a large family. You get discounts if you're a veteran, first responder, if you're a teacher, if you're an NRA member. And then they take a portion of their profits to fund the causes you care about as a Christian conservative. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. I think I said 973 yesterday. That's my number. It's 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. If you don't believe me on their service, go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Up at the top of the website, you will see a map, and you can see the detailed coverage down to your house. Go to patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or call them 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, let me plug the email one more time. If you text data to 33777, click that top link, get the discount, subscribe. You'll also get all the notices on the gathering for tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I, you know what, actually, let, let me go to Jeff instead before I go riffing on stuff that's not even in the notes. Jeff, welcome to the program. Jeff, how are you? Hi, Eric. Yeah, uh, I'm just fine. Hey, listen, the reason I called is I was listening to your discussion about Facebook and the New York Times and what Facebook said about what they would do. Uh, and I don't use Facebook for news feed, but I do look at Google and Google has New York Times articles on it as well. Yeah. My idea uh, in response to you is that the commercial side of the Times is that they pay uh, uh, AP for a news feed and then they publish it. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if the Times had to pay Google or Facebook for publication as well. In other words, feed it forward. You're, I don't think the government ought to be putting its thumb on the scale, but I do think there's a commercial transaction here uh, that right now is priced at zero that ought to be priced at something. Well, and, um, except so I, I think Google or Facebook you, ought to be paying. Sure. Well, let, let me explain this one to you. So if I go to Google News... Um, all I see is an aggregator of all the news content out there. I can't read the article. If I click on the article, I go to the New York Times. Uh, and what the government says is that by displaying that uh, headline, 
and the synopsis to send me to the New York Times, Google should pay the New York Times for that. Now, I agree with mm-hmm. you. If Google was displaying the entire article from the New York Times without sending me to the New York Times, then, yeah, Google should pay the New York Times. That's not what this is about. This is about websites that show you the headline that click you through to the main website that they should be taxed for that. And that, I think, is the problem. Yeah, I totally agree. If the, if the New York Times, and I, I got to let you go there because it's got 30 seconds, but if the Google was showing me the entire article and never sending me to the New York Times, absolutely, they should pay. But if they're showing me the headline and I got to go read it at the New York Times, why should they pay the New York Times for sending the New York Times that traffic? 